Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me on the show again today. Now what goes up has to come down, they say. And this is certainly true uh, with both economic cycles and specifically property cycles. The good years are usually quite straightforward for us as time can fix many problems in property. House prices and rents will rise and this can make a a bad investment an acceptable one or an average one a good one even. Inevitably though, understanding that there are these cycles also means we will face some harder times when rising house prices and rents won't bail us out. And in fact, we can even run a risk, a severe risk of bankruptcy if we're not careful. So possibly a little bit doom and gloom episode this week, however an essential one as well as we unpick some of the attributes of a recession that could cause us some trouble and then by doing understanding this adopt some good practices to help avoid these issues, undoing all the hard work that we've been putting in over the years just at the time when a recession hits. Now I'm joined on the show today by a property investor by the name of Ed Atkinson, who has invested in property through three recessions, sorry not three, two recessions, giving him a little bit more uh, miles on the clock than I intended to there, two recessions. And he now earns a significant part of his income through property. Now Ed's written a paper called House of Cards, How Property Investors Can Survive Future Recessions. And he's also produced an accompanying simulation model in Excel to plot our own portfolio against the five major recessions of the past century. Now Ed's work is aimed at property investors using leverage um, you know, or high levels of, uh, of mortgage borrowing if you like. And so uh, these are the investors who are most at risk during a recession as we shall see. So let's hear my chat with Ed in Property Chatter and then we can pick up the thread again shortly. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. Hi there, everybody. I'm really pleased to be joined today by Ed Atkinson, who is a, an experienced property investor, and he will tell you himself his own experience and background. But in particular, I was very interested in a report that he wrote and an accompanying spreadsheet around surviving recessions in property cycles. So, Ed, thanks very much for joining us on today's show. How are you? Oh, thank, thanks, Richard. Yep, great. Well, it's really you know, great for you to join me. And by the way, just so other people know, uh, we're recording this on a Sunday evening. So even more thanks to you um, once again. But Ed, why don't you just start a little bit and just tell us a little bit about your, your background um, so we can set some context uh, for the listeners um, around this topic of surviving a recession. Mm, great. Um, well, I'm a civil engineer, but um, as regards property, uh, I started as a young man wanting to get on the property ladder before my first owner-occupier place. So I did buy in 1986, um, and of course I've seen a couple of recessions um, since then. Mm-hmm. And from about 2000, my wife and I, we jumped in with both feet, property investing, and the portfolio grew massively after that. 
and, and am I right in thinking that's you know certainly a mainstay of your income these days um, is investing? It is something. now, yes, that's right. Yeah. It, so it frees me up to pursue other dreams. Yeah, well, but, um, yeah, a good part of my weeks on property um, we self-manage, uh, and um, and then we're free to do other things, and we've got other businesses as well. Absolutely, that's great. So you survived a couple of recessions and lived to tell the tale, and um, and and I guess that um, you know, you tell us about the motivation, if you like, for writing what, what I think the the white paper or the PDF that you've got is called House of Cards, isn't it? Yeah. So, Tell me, tell me about the motivation uh, well, I, behind that. Well, I think I, I do see quite a weakness in the economy because of us buy-to-less investors. And the recession we've just had has been the mildest one of the lot, um, which I think is giving us a full sense of uh, how easy it is. Mm. And it could be that if a normal kind of recession comes around next, there will be a, almost a structural imbalance in the economy caused by us buy-to-let investors. Uh, in a, so if a significant number of us do end up in with repossessed properties, that will affect the whole market and the whole thing will kind of spiral downwards in an in a unstable way that uh, previous recessions haven't had quite so much. So it's, it's um, what I'm trying to get out is the message that this kind of normal, reasonably high gearing that, that property investors do can be organized in such a way as to uh, get you ready for a recession um, and not be part of the problem, but to be able to almost like smooth it out by buying up property in a recession to kind of keep the market going, which investors will do when probably owner-occupiers won't be around. Mm -hmm. So I, I just feel if, if we as a community have got this together we can be part of the solution not part of the problem yeah and i think to to distinguish i've read your your paper obviously and um you it's aimed primarily at higher you know the higher leveraged property investor because that's probably where the most danger is going to lie is that right yeah that's exactly right yeah okay so um so just quickly then what we talk about recessions um what is the definition of recession and how many have we seen let's say in the last century in other words what have you focused in on on your paper in your paper we we probably had a couple of minor blips but um you already know the answer i'm sure yes. so <laughs> yeah well recessions uh, are normally um defined in terms of gdp and there have been five over the last century where GDP has dropped by a lot, sort of 5% or so, and uh, a few little blips, uh, 56 and 65 or something like that, where it was only less than 1%, but they were technical recessions from the point of view of what a certain number of quarters with falling GDP, but the overall fall from before the recession to its uh, trough was only a fraction of a percent. So the big ones, the big five are? 1930, 1973, 1980, 1990, and of course 2008. Yeah, and of course we always only remember the last one, don't we? <laughs> uh, 2008. <laughs> yes, that's right. So, but uh, from your analysis, you know, are there any? Um, probably a two-part question: Are there any common characteristics across all five of those major recessions? And indeed, are there any characteristics which might be different, e either in one or some of those five? 
Um, well, the big characteristic in all of them is that um, house prices drop in recessions. And I think we could say that uh, there is a gentle rise in rents as well through all uh, recessions. Um, so those, you could say, are the themes mm -hmm. that are common. Uh, but in the analysis, there were three recessions that stood out. Um, well, well the, out of these five, there was a three and a two. So the three are all in the 20-year period from 1973 uh, up to 1990. So 1973, 80, and 1990. Mm -hmm. And they were all high interest rate recessions. Um, so the uh, Interest rates were around 10, 12%, would you believe, in uh, those three recessions and leading up to them as well. And 1930, the interest rate was quite similar to the one we just had. It started around 5% leading up to the recession um, and then it dropped. Uh, it dropped down to, um, I think, 3% or so. Um, as the recession got going, uh, and equally R1 in 2008, the interest rates dropped as the recession got going, which was in contrast to the other three. Yeah, so in other words, it's not like a one-size-fits-all pattern here, is there? There's um, there's a couple of groupings, at least. You know, there's the, yes. three, the grouping of three and the grouping of two. But um, even the grouping of three looks at probably a little bit they you know it looks like the 20 year outlier period to some extent doesn't it with that such high interest rates yes when you look at it from the history of interest bank of england uh, interest rates going back to 1694 uh, though that 20 years it was like nothing else and we've gone back a bit to normal since um, obviously since 2008 the very low interest rates is equally anonymous yeah it um, is yeah because I think the long-run average but, of interest uh, rates is about 5%, isn't it? Something like that order? Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's that's right. Yeah. It didn't even get above 7% till the, the 60s. Mm. And then 73 onwards, it was at this ridiculous 12 yeah. 14%, that sort of thing, in the recessions. And you mentioned interest rates and house prices and rents and GDP, which is a, a measure of economic growth. I think the other big one to kind of call out is inflation, isn't it, maybe? Yes. Um, I'm not sure. Well, that obviously affects things like your repairs and maybe your management fees to a degree. But um, I think as a property investor, um, it's not quite such a big issue. It's more house price and rents inflation than general inflation that we're interested in, is it? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Rent inflation and uh, house price inflation, yeah. definitely. Excellent. Okay, inflation. great. And so um, I guess, you know, the leading question is, so what are the main reasons why property investors in particular could struggle as a result of facing a recession? Um, well, it's all about interest rate to begin with. Mm -hmm. And if you find that uh, interest rates do go up and that is what's prompted the recession, which is uh, seems to be part of what's going on in those 73, 18, 90 recessions, then your portfolio is in negative cash flow. So that's the first thing that goes wrong. Mm -hmm. 
The second thing that goes wrong is that your other resources, either other income or a, a kind of backup fund or, or kind of a cushion of cash to um, allow yourself to ride out losing money on your portfolio for a few years. That's a, that's the second stage. If that runs out, then you hit the stage where you aren't able to keep up with your mortgage repayments, and that's when you have a repossession. And if well, in a recession, the house prices will almost certainly have gone down, so you might well be in negative equity. So if you're forced to sell, uh, and um, so the forced sale situation combined with the lowering of prices means you, you could easily um, end up still owing the bank money and then they'll want you to sell the next property and then the next property and the whole thing could fall down like a house of cards which is why the yeah hence your name uh, call that yeah it's kind of an ever decreasing circle to some extent isn't it you know that you, your negative cash flow on individual properties and the portfolio overall then you look at your cash reserves and once they're deplete then you have to then try and cash in your properties to to pay down debt and, and it just keeps going until eventually you've got nothing left i suppose yes that's right yeah. and that, that's the thing to avoid they're the things to but avoid. Even, you can actually organize yourself such that even if you get to that third stage and having a forced sale, you can still rescue the situation if you organize things correctly. Yeah, so that's really where I wanted to get to, the meat of the matter actually, isn't it? Because you've done the analysis, you've, you've highlighted what the, um, the key risks are going to be, these three events, you know, in ever-decreasing degrees of uh, seriousness, I suppose. Um, so what can we do about it? What what are the sort of top tips that we can do to, to your words, organise ourselves? Well, I think um, avoiding being in negative um, cash flow over the portfolio is probably the sort of thing that you'd be familiar with in all your, you know, in other podcasts you've done. Yeah. Uh, so it's all the normal things about kind of not buying a property based just on its uh, long-term growth you're also looking at it for just to have a good yield from it anyway those kind of issues mm -hmm. um, and then I, there's a few little things on the margins that the kind of properties which are going to suffer um, a drop in rent uh, tend to be the posher sort of ones um, everyone's got to live somewhere and if there's a recession coming then you're going to um, maybe hunker down a bit and if you're in rented, you'll leave your lovely posh place with its gold taps and move to something a little bit more standard. So it'll be people trying to let out on the luxury end of the market who might well hit negative cash flow first. But um, I reckon that's – unless you want to add anything to that from your experience? No, I think, you know, in general terms, uh, you know, I th I actually support exactly what you said, but I think a lot of people, they get focused on um, investing in property on, on house price growth, which is capital growth. And you make the point really well that it's actually about preserving the cash flow, and uh, which is which is of primary importance. And um, yeah. you know, I think, yeah. as you say, there's some things around the margin which contribute to that. But um, that's definitely the first step, isn't it, to to invest primarily for cash flow rather than necessarily capital growth. Well, just be aware of it, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, all my properties are pretty well in, in the south, mm -hmm. um, and so yields are lower here. 
but um, the cash flow is good. So, I, I, but I'm just being aware that because of that, I need to be extra vigilant with um, my cash flow in a recession. Yeah, and I think there's a distinction I would just make. The difference is between cash flow and yield. So, um, positive cash flow does not necessarily mean doesn't always go with high yield. So um, that's probably getting a bit technical. But um, you know, I think the point is that you've got enough money each month to pay your outgoings is your first rule. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So not being too highly geared is, is one way of doing it, but I, I've got things to turn out sort of further down the line. Mm. So that's the first one. So the second one is um, if you are in negative cash flow, it's still not a disaster. Um, there is the first place protocol is to have a reserve fund and um, that could be, I mean I've heard of 20% and I would have thought normally it would be quite a bit less than that to have that you could, um, realistically you could have. Um, so I'd say if you are going to be geared, it is worth actually gearing quite high but then putting money into a reserve fund rather than keeping back on the gearing and having nothing, no cash reserves at all, I, I think that's more dangerous. Yeah. Um, so just clarify the 20% is 20% of, of... Well, uh, I'm assuming this 20% I heard about was of the portfolio value at purchase, but I might be... Yeah, no, it's just... That would be well, a I did it, safe bet, wouldn't it? 20% of the portfolio value at any one point in time. That, I mean, I can't imagine that ever coming across if you at that level of safety. Yeah. But a, a more realistic level, or, or have you modelled a safer level that is below that? Well, I think each person has their own um, circumstances, and that's why I did this spreadsheet. Yeah, so we'll, we'll come to the spreadsheet, but generally speaking, having the reserve funds, sorry, so I um, just get those out. That's the second step. Yes, there's lots to be added that I'm sure you you could say better than me on alternative source of income. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, you don't need to have this cash reserve fund actually as cash. If you've got an agreed drawdown facility on one of your mortgages or your home mortgage, um, that you don't need to go back and get permission in a recession, then that is effectively the same as a cash reserve fund. Yeah. Could even be a credit card. So that could all <laughs> well, I wouldn't recommend it, but it could be. And so there's your there's your top your first two. Is there is there a third? Yes, the third is um, if you are in a forced sale situation, so all your cash reserves are gone, your alternative source of income can't um, cope and you have to um, let the bank know that you're not going to be able to pay the mortgage, then you're in a forced sale situation. But that isn't necessarily a disaster yet, because if you have one, if you've got a portfolio and you've got one or two properties with um, very little gearing and high gearing on all the other properties, then you can sell the properties with the low gearing and you'll be then. Um, that's able to get money out of the deal rather than passing on the debt to the next property. And then you'll be able to sort of ride out the rest of the session that way. 
That's interesting. So in other words, not just having a, a blanket approach to your loan to value, but basically targeting one or two properties to maybe have better equity concentration, which will allow you a, a rapid exit if you needed one. Is that, that pretty much what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. So there's the three. Um, so I guess uh, cash, then a liquidity, access to liquidity, and then a um, little bit of organization so that you can um, do a, let's say, a controlled for sale and uh, release equity quickly yeah. in the in the worst case scenario. So, yeah. the, so there's the there's the sort of research, there's the sort of uh, principles, the top three at least, and I know your paper goes into more detail. Um, but you've also developed this model, as you kind of alluded to, didn't you, um, just now, this uh, Excel model. I'm very, yeah. very intrigued. In fact, I had a really nice play with that as we were talking about before we got into recording. But um, tell us a little bit about the model that you've developed and uh, what it does. Well, it, I've, it's quite fun, I hope. You put in your portfolio figures and, um, you know, the mortgages and, and um, rents and values and all the rest of it. And then it tells you what would happen uh, if suddenly the 1930 recession hit next year or the 1973 recession. So all these recessions. Um, and you see which ones you survive and when you, which ones you go belly up um, in. And then if you've got some more time, you can put in your portfolio property by property and, um, and then see how you can juggle it, selling one in um, 1973 and sell the next one in 1975 and see if you can keep yourself afloat uh, that way. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it's a sort of tool to, to play around with and uh, just to to see how vulnerable you are to the kind of recessions that have happened in the past. Yeah, you I think... Also, Go ahead, sorry. Um, yeah, uh, you can also put in a recession that's um, like a guess for what the next one might well be and uh, adjust it and, and again do lots of trial and error that way. I love this. I mean, we talk, you know, so it's a simulation tool. It's the playing the what if game, you know, and I think it's great that we, you know, you, you can try different scenarios out before you have to live through them in reality. So um, yeah, I think it's tremendous what you did. And I, as I say, I already had a lot of fun. Um, I was doing, you know, I, I, there was a lot of green. I'm happy to say that came out when I did mine. For the, anybody who's not seen it yet, green is good <laughs> in some of the results, but. Um, yeah, I think that that's that's tremendous what you did there, and I think a lot of our, a lot of our listeners will welcome having one a read of your paper and also um, a little play around with your spreadsheet. But I guess can can I just ask, generally speaking, Ed, would you be prepared to you know write write a guest post on the Property Voice for us to around this topic, how to survive a recession? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I'll give that a go. That'd be brilliant. That'd be brilliant. I think the other thing is, um, you know, we've we've probably warmed up the listeners now to uh, to hear a bit more about your paper and indeed the uh, the spreadsheet. Are you happy for us to share that with listeners? Um, I think so. I, I do need to just quickly check um, some partners that how I developed it. Uh, I would imagine they wouldn't have a problem. Uh, yeah. And then I'll whack it over. That'd be great. What what I'll say then is, uh, if anyone wants uh, to gain access to that, just drop us a, an email, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net, and I'll direct you to Ed or where you can get uh, get copies of the uh, the report and indeed the spreadsheet. That that'd be great. And I'm sure. I mean, I had a lot of fun playing with the uh, spreadsheet. Obviously, it was fascinating to read the uh, paper as well. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners would be really interested to do so. So Ed, you know, thanks so much really for putting that together. You know, That's it's. 
that's a great service to to everyone out there and if we can spread the word hopefully as you say then we're not going to be a cause of the problem um when the next one hits <laughs> yeah yeah can i just add something yeah by all means um i i've heard to, you, that great talk you did with is it akil patel yeah yeah and, and um and then your six uh kind of things to watch and i'd imagine that we are able to know when a recession's coming based on the 18-year cycle and just watching the market um, and just not buying in the years leading up to a recession is probably just enough to survive it that one step alone yeah yeah just that one step of I'd saying avoiding buying within three years of recession and maybe it's impossible the crystal ball but it is that easy to, just to the, not to get caught up in the hype and increase your um, you, you, your drawdown um, on mortgages uh, and buying new property and, and getting yourself geared up to the limit just as recession is about to happen. If you can avoid all that, that's probably enough. Yeah, that's, um, that's great. I think I certainly believe in you know getting educated and you know getting switched on to. That's why I've got this series, obviously, about cycles. You know understand having a broad understanding of property cycles economic cycles and some of the indicators that we can watch out for and um, you know this is just a real practical application because what you've your, what you've shown with your work Ed, is that if we go for a recession and we're not properly you know set up then it can yeah. it is a house of cards potentially could come more crashing down for us personally and of course then there's a wider social impact as well social and economic impact so if we do have more awareness and thanks for pointing out the 18-year cycle and the interview and the work we're doing Akil and I together and and indeed the six key areas that we we can look out for which give us a, a clue to what's coming downstream we can potentially avoid it or at least uh, lessen the blow let's say when it happens yeah brilliant yeah. brilliant well you know, I, I probably need to uh, draw a close just to make sure we, we can get it into the format. But I just want to say thanks so much for joining me and, and really do appreciate, especially it being a Sunday evening and me reaching out to you quite short notice. So, I, you know, hats off to you and indeed for, you know, preparing this work and sharing it so freely that you have done. I'm sure that's going to benefit an awful lot of property investors out there and save a lot of people from a lot of pain. Great. Well, yeah, if you could do all you can to get the message out. Brilliant. I will certainly try. Thanks once again, Ed, and uh, we'll be in touch soon with the uh, blog post. Wonderful. Thanks very much. You're Cheers. welcome. Bye for now. I have to say that Ed was very gracious in, uh, first of all, accepting my invitation to come on the show this week at short notice, and then on a Sunday evening as well, where we actually managed to get a time where we could speak. So it definitely shows his passion for the subject, and also his willingness to help spread the message for all of our benefit, I would say. I guess if I were to summarize his, uh, his vicious spiral, as I'm going to refer to it, those are my words rather than his, during a recession, we're, we're faced with the following potential threats. The first one is the threat of negative cash flow. So this could happen where interest rates increase and, and our mortgage payments obviously are increasing and that uh, there's a potential squeeze on our rental income as well, resulting in our portfolio, whether it's across the piece or individual property properties suffering to produce negative cash flow. The second point would be once the cash flow is negative that we end up exhausting any cash reserves or um, supplementary income that we might might have to be able to support the neg negative cash flow position. 
that arises from the first point. And I guess the house of cards all comes tumbling down is if those first two uh, more cash-based um, situations give rise to us having to sell properties for, on a forced sale basis, as they call it, uh, which could lead, uh, you know, lead from pressure from lenders as we fall into arrears, a default, and we end up selling at a discount, potentially with a raft of extra fees being thrown in. So um, I guess I'm calling it death by a thousand cuts-like experience as we lurch from one catastrophe to the next until finally we have no portfolio left or could even face bankruptcy at the extreme, as others certainly have done in the past. So sorry it sounds a bit doom and gloom and pessimistic, but there is a way that we can protect ourselves. And of course, if we protect ourselves defensively through recession, then it should serve as well uh, opportunistically as well either during the recession times or indeed during the good times as well. So Ed has a, a list of about 10 tips to apply in order to avoid this disaster striking in his paper as I mentioned uh, a house of cards but here is his top three. Uh, the first is to ensure that we invest with a positive cash flow across the portfolio. I think he was alluding to the fact that we could potentially have some individual properties which are not necessarily cash flow positive um, as long as the overall portfolio is cash flow positive. So that maybe allows us to carry the odd one. So that's quite a big um, call out really for a diverse uh, approach to our portfolio investing. I, I probably would label it invest for cash flow rather than capital uh, appreciation. But I guess on reflection, we could have a, uh, a diverse approach and, and have definitely some high yield or at least high cash flow uh, assets in there as well. Equally, he made the point that we should aim to have a cash reserve fund, you know, set some cash aside, ready to tide us over in those difficult times. And uh, I certainly agree with that point, generally speaking, in any case. And third of all, if we were to concentrate our equity into one or two properties rather than necessarily spread it about evenly, and I thought that was quite a good point because that would allow us uh, rather quicker access to one of those one or two properties where there's more equity involved should we need to get hold of the money quicker because um, we might find ourselves you know, with a little bit of equity spread across each property and just basically not being able to get out of the mess that we're in because there isn't suf uh, sufficient money to realise. But he also had a, a bonus tip, if you like, of avoiding uh, investing during the two to three years leading up to a recession, which is also known as the winner's curse, if you remember, from our discussion with Akil Patel on the 18-year property cycle just a couple of uh, weeks ago in this, uh, in this series. Now, personally speaking, I agree with a lot of what Ed was saying, and indeed, I've been advocating much of this advice for, for quite some time, both on the blog and indeed here on the podcast. So in my experience, though, I guess what I've learned is there's two main killers of a business, which would include a property portfolio business, and they are a lack of cash and or liquidity. And if we can avoid negative cash flow and poor liquidity, then we should be well positioned to survive most downturns well. Uh, they, these are slightly different, however, and um, let's, let's just have a look at that for a moment. Cash is literally cash funds available in the bank that we can access immediately or at least close to immediately. And this is why Ed talked about ensuring positive cash flow across our portfolio and also in having a reserve fund. That's all, all about cash. Liquidity, on the other hand, is having access to what I would call cash equivalent resources in a reasonable time period. So it could be assets that we could sell 
uh, we talked about having some equity in one or two properties that we could sell potentially relatively quickly so it's not immediate but relatively quickly it could be having additional borrowing facilities that we could call upon which Ed mentioned in the interview and uh, indeed I would certainly think that would be if, if we can do that be great an offset mortgage for example on a home would be an example of that even credit cards but um, you know that's obviously at a higher interest rate and, and really only for essential last resort purposes I would suggest or alternatively and I think the thing I was really dwelling on the most was having alternative income streams I think probably as I was really reflecting on all of this I think if we're over reliant on the income from the property portfolio and don't have alternative sources of income or resources we could call upon then we're probably in the most vulnerable position of all I would suggest in the in uh, in the hard times or periods of recession so building up alternative income streams would serve us well so whether that's from a job to until the portfolio is uh, is really robust or you know alternative business streams and uh, and revenue streams along the side of our property portfolio as well would be what I would suggest so therefore by implementing a plan that considers both cash and liquidity we can put measures in place to ensure our survival during those harder times almost almost I would say regardless of what happens in the economy it's almost not it's not a guarantee <laughs> it's almost however the bonus tip is also extremely important and you know it, it kind of plays on what we're talking about quite a lot over these last few weeks and that is having an awareness of some of the basic economic principles in property such as the 18-year property cycle and also the six key, key factors that affect house prices as we discussed over the last two episodes in the series now we don't need to become full-blown economists or anything like that we, we just need to be aware of some of the warning signs and as such we we could just avoid being being that lemming diving off the cliff in the winner's curse phase of the property cycle if you remember that so today's theme I guess is something of a defensive measure how to survive is hardly the most inspiring of titles after all is it however in order to enjoy the highs and the good times we also, you know, no doubt um, have to ensure that we're in great shape for those inevitable troughs as they arise as well. Now, as we as we mentioned during the interview, Ed will be making a, a guest contribution to our blog in the near future. But in the meantime, if you'd like to get hold of a copy of his paper, A House of Cards, and the excellent Excel spreadsheet, or I'm going to call the recession simulation model for yourself, then uh, just drop me an email, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net, and I'll make sure that the details of how to get hold of those are sent across to you. We just need to determine where exactly they're going to be held, which is why I'm asking you to email in. So thanks once again to Ed, but uh, right now it's time for Your Voice. Up next is Your Voice. It's all about you and your property world. So back to your voice then, and this week we have another five-star review. This time it comes from BB in Property, who says, Five stars fills the void. This podcast series plugs the gap in the learning resources for property investors neatly. Not an interview-based show, but sometimes snippets from industry subject matter experts. Not a new service, which would be the equivalent of chip wrap newspaper, but instead a more in-depth look into specific topics that property investors want to know about. Some nice features too, like the production quality and the glamorous assistant Kaza, do make it stand out in the crowd. Worth subscribing. 
Well, thank you very much, BB, BB and Property, rather. Sorry that we have not had Kaza for quite a while now, but uh, we didn't find that many people, I have to say, such as you, that seem to want her to stay on the show, I'm afraid. So, um, But if if there are Kaza fans out there and you or indeed others want to start a lobby group to get her back on the show, let's hear from you. In the meantime, though, maybe we'll just leave it be. <laughs> So we really do appreciate the reviews, I have to say, because uh, it, it does help us to spread the word. So please, if I could encourage you, please take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. That would be fantastic if you could do that. But meanwhile, you can also get involved in the Your Voice segment by sending in your questions or your stories. Why not leave us a voicemail? We have a SpeakPipe facility on the on the website. You don't need to make a phone call. You can literally speak through your computer. So head over to thepropertyvoice.net and you can leave us a voicemail if you'd like. But next up, we have the shout-out. And now, where you can go for more great resources with the shout-out. Okay, so I'm going to make a promise to you. This will be one final push as far as my 10K fundraising run is concerned, okay? So if you just indulge me very briefly here, I'll just get it out of the way and then we can move on forever. Uh, Needless to say, I did it. Last Saturday, I managed to brave the wind and the rain and I ran the 10K with my brother-in-law in in respectable time of 56 minutes and 19 seconds. Well, I'm saying it's respectable anyway. You'll have to judge for yourself whether you think it is. But uh, I had a a goal of beating one hour, so um, I managed to do that. So I'm very, very happy about that end result. So I have to say it was a little bit tougher that morning than I was expecting for some reason. I probably wasn't feeling that great. I hadn't had the the best night of sleep having stayed up late to watch the Bond premiere. And uh, yeah, I don't know, there was something just not right. It was windy, it was raining, but uh, there you go. I managed to get it done. So I've held up my end of the bargain. I've completed it and I'm very happy to report. So uh, there we go. It's a... It'd be great, though, if you would be willing to support the fundraising effort uh, if you have not done so already. So please just head over to the website, thepropertyvoice.net, and search for the post that's called Giving in Action, Supporting an Amazonian School. And that'll tell you all of the backstory and all of the details of how you can get involved and support this cause. It's just it's worth a read in any case because, you know, these kids in the, in the middle of nowhere, really, in the rainforest, were very inspirational and they certainly, you know, touched, touched, you know, touched me with their stories and their their hopes for the future in fact so there we go so i guess if i'm to pick a resource that i'd like to share with you this week it would have to be justgiving.com which is a great site to get involved and to support worthy causes or for one of our one of your own just as i did so check it out and see what other well-deserving causes there are that would benefit from maybe just a week's abstinence from your regular Starbucks or Costa Coffee visit to support them instead. So it doesn't really take a lot to make a difference in people's lives. Just giving.com, generally speaking. Obviously, I've got my own site over there, which uh, is supporting the uh, Amazonian school, but there's plenty of others as well to get involved with. Okay, so uh, that about wraps things up for another week then. Uh, By all means, feel free to drop me an email personally, as always, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net. And as always, the show notes will be over at the website, thepropertyvoice.net. And there we have it. And in our customary style now, all that remains for me to say is thank you very much for listening once again. And until next time on the Property Voice podcast, it's ciao, ciao. 
Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.